Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. are back with another live episode of Bully Ball on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Jason Aponte, joined as always by Steph Sanchez. Steph, it's been like a week. How are you? It's been a week. I missed you, buddy. Where, where you been? I've been hanging out, been touching some grass, hanging out, uh, you know, hey, you know my good daughter for you. doing stuff. Yeah, man. I think, I think Love everybody boy, needs yeah. to unplug a little bit. It's been a week and two days um, since since the 49ers lost the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and obviously, you knew that the, the conversations were going to grow. Um, conversations mm-hmm. were going to be had. Um, overreactions were going to be had. And I think we're we're right on we're right on track right now. Um, we're there. Reaction, yeah. Reactions ranging from fire the whole regime, cut George Kittle, trade Trent Williams, trade Debo Samuel, trade Brandon Ayuk, uh, cut Fred Warner, um, you know, cut Drake Greenlaw, um, you know, Christian McCaffrey is on his decline. These are all things that I've seen from afar, from afar, because once the game was over and everything, I kind of knew this fan base was going to start ripping itself apart a little bit. So, Steph, where do you want to start? With overreactions, <laughs> the things that we should talk about uh, going into the offseason. Uh, yeah, I mean, this fan base is in mid-offseason form. You See, I, I appreciate the fact that instead of ramping up to the overreaction, they go straight to the overreaction, like, right. right away. No time is wasted, you know, a lot of efficiency there when it comes to this fan base. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of overreactions, as we expected, I think. Uh, 
they're only going to continue. And it's not even just from fans. It's from like some of the content creators as well. So that's what's kind of surprising, but at the same time, not because it's the off season, you know, we, we're trying to, uh, I guess, drum up some interest and engagement as well. But let, let us be clear right here that we will not stoop that low to, you know, suggest that someone such as Greenlaw or anyone else of that caliber should be cut by the 49ers, uh, you know, just because they're in a bit of a, you know, financial situation. I understand the severity of the the cap casualty that maybe the 49ers are in, uh, but I think they can work around it. I mean, they, they have known for quite some time that they would get to this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they were hoping that there'd be a ring involved, <laughs> you know, when they got to this point. So that complicates things a bit because you want to keep that window open while also making sure that, you know, you can continue to pay all these guys um, as you have planned to pay them. So that's where it gets a little bit tricky, uh, but there's no need for the overreactions. I can tell you right now, the 49ers aren't overreacting like the fan bases. They're going to figure out a way to get it done. Um, so, yeah, that, that's just what I'll say. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get back to that. I guess the first thing that we should talk about, because I haven't seen you in a while, but the first thing that really happened right after the Super Bowl was the dismissal of Steve Wilkes. And a lot of that was met with, well, scapegoat, everything. Well, my two cents on the whole situation was it wasn't a good fit. You know, you look at the the Minnesota game in which Steve Wilkes had to publicly apologize for a cover zero call, Um, the the whole booth gate um, about him coming down from the booth and everything. Um, And then even even in the Super Bowl where Kyle Shanahan calls timeout because he doesn't like a cover zero look. Um, it just kind of felt like there was never really any sort of cohesiveness that was throughout the season, especially when you have a defensive line so talented, when you have a defense that has so many studs. Um, I don't think this is a scapegoat move. I think regardless this was going to happen, maybe it doesn't happen if the 49ers finish the job, maybe, but I still, I still would be inclined to believe that it would have. So thoughts on the Steve Wilkes move and, do you believe it was a scapegoat uh, move? No, absolutely not. And anyone who has been paying attention to the 49ers defense all season would be able to tell you that. I feel I, I felt a little gaslit by, you know, national media people who maybe only watched the 49ers Super Bowl or maybe only watched a handful of 49er games, right. you know, this season telling us that oh, that Steve Wilkes was just the scapegoat in this situation. No, it was a little bit deeper than that. I'd say far deeper than that. So I think the move would have happened even if the 49ers had won the Super Bowl. So what would you categorize it then, right? Uh, You know, so, yeah, I, I think, again, people continuing to reach, people continuing to find any cope, <laughs> you know, in, in all this. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're – we all cope in different ways. And, and for some people, it, it's trying to grasp at whatever straws they can find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, this this was something that I think they evaluated. They went through their process. And I think the 49ers have earned themselves some grace and some, I guess, the, the benefit of the doubt when it comes to hiring coaches because of how well they've been able to sustain, you know, what they've built and, and they end up going different places. I mean, again, there's another offseason. Anthony Lynn's gone. Um, it, it was um, the past game coordinator as well, too. Coaches continue to move on. So the 49ers have absolutely earned that benefit of the doubt. Like, even if we had concerns about Steve Wilkes and his fit, you still have to look at the 49ers and say, well, if they chose him, then there's a really good reason for it. But it just felt like this one was a marriage that didn't work once, right? 
And it's not the reason the 49ers lost the Super Bowl, but it definitely is something that they have to look at and they have to, to start going through the, the motions right now because the coaching cycle is basically done. Like, who's left, right? And and I think that's where I'm kind of leading this one, Steph. Uh, and, and this is this is peak offseason. Bill Belichick or, or Mike Vrabel. Like, Bill Belichick is going to go from head coach wanting all the power to being under Kyle Shanahan. I think you make the call, but I don't think that that happens. I don't think you can fit both of those guys under one roof. Am I am I tripping stuff? I mean, you definitely got to make the call, right? I mean, I want right. Kyle on the phone. I want John Lynch on the phone. Even Mike Shanahan, pick up that phone and, you know, call Bill, whatever you got to do. Uh, that being said, yeah, I think what makes it unlikely is, you know, a, a coach as decorated as Bill Belichick not wanting to go back to, you know, a coordinator position uh, at this point in his career. So I think that's fair. Um, I've also heard like, you know, Pete Carroll, his name mentioned, but you got to try those guys, right? Just because of who they are. I mean, I I think you definitely got to try, but other than that, as far as who do you trust, who do you think is a good fit? I'd look at internal candidates for those characteristics that I, I feel would work to you know, collaborate with Kyle Shanahan a little bit better than maybe an outside hire would. Um, but, you know, then comes a question of, are any of these internal candidates ready for that? Do any of these internal candidates want that? I mean, like Chris Kosarek has <laughs> said he, in the past, he is not interested in it. Uh, Johnny Holland, you know, is dealing with some health issues, so he might not be the right guy. So, you know, even internally, some of the options have kind of dwindled in that sense, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting once we start seeing reports of who the 49ers are, are maybe having interviews with or are interested in, uh, haven't heard anything yet, but you know, it, it might give us some idea of what the 49ers are, are looking for this time around. And I thought what was interesting was Kyle Shanahan talking about the the issues on defense and talking about linebacker play and saying that it wasn't married to what they wanted to do, and they wanted those guys to play a little bit faster. Well, Mike Vrabel is a former linebacker, and he's a guy that can really, yeah. really motivate men. Like, I would run through a wall for Mike Vrabel. Maybe he has a little bit of a – I believe what it was described as is a, a brash um, or a a strong personality, and that's fine. Like, you're going to need that. But, again, we're talking about him being under someone else, right, in, in that way. Yeah. But Mike Vrabel seems like a candidate if we're talking about concerns with line linebacker pay, play. Now, the Brandon Staley thing has people up in arms because I think everybody remembers Brandon Staley, the head coach. But right. the defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, is not as bad. And it's two different things. Like when you have to run an entire ball club, um, I think that's a lot of the concerns that people have coming out of the Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan. Um, when you think about that, and you think about how he had success when he was with the Rams. Obviously, the scheme's different, 4-3-3-4. Four, three, three, four. We know that. I think a lot of that stuff is a little bit overblown, especially with, you know, the sub packages that you're going to have to be in with nickel personnel and, and how much offenses are trying to spread people out. I don't think that's as big of an issue. But I'm not exactly against Brandon Staley. That one doesn't bother me as much as it does everyone else because I think everybody remembers him as the head coach and not the defensive coordinator. Yeah, and... I, I agree. I mean, I think there's a few of those cases where guys haven't really worked out as head coaches, um, but they're they're great coordinators. And who knows? I, like, I kind of feel like that could actually work in the 49ers' favor because 
then if that said person gets hired as the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, there's less chances of that guy being hired away to become a head coach, right? Like, at least that's what I feel. That's what the 49ers need. Like, I would love for them to have, like, a longer-term answer at the position and not have, like, this new highly coveted guy that's, like, the next best thing in in head coaching, right? So um, I think they need some stability there. Uh, especially as like, you know, we talk about them moving towards this, like retooling, there's going to be some new faces maybe on this defense, right? So um, bringing in a fresh face that can help those guys grow, um, I think would be beneficial to everyone. Yeah. And Rob backstage says maybe Brandon Staley can convince Kyle to actually go for a fourth down. Rob's still, Rob's still a little upset. Like it seems like Rob is swearing backstage here. Yeah. He's yeah. Rob, bleep it out, Rob. It's all right, man. Today's <laughs> Tuesday. That, was, that game was like a week ago, man. <laughs> Get over it, pal. Get over it, man. It's done. That's it. We're all we're on to next offseason, right? Let's do Bill Belichick with it. But um, so from one one trend, let's transition from one thing to the next. Obviously, the Brandon Ayuk thing has a lot of people spinning the the trade machine, trying to figure out what's gonna go on. Obviously, the 49ers have said and maintained over and over about we want to bring Brandon Ayuk back. He's a huge priority. 49er fans have a little PTSD, though. They've heard this before. They believe that this is a DeForest Buckner situation. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. Even though the 49ers are up against the cap number, any deal that's done with Brandon Ayuk actually lowers the number. And and that's that's the thing about everyone talking about salary cap. There's very few people that understand the ins and outs of it. There's very few people that understand what contracts mean, when they told, when things are going to start to happen. So I don't really like to comment too much on the salary cap and talking about counting the money and all that stuff because they've always found a way to get things done. They've done it either through restructures or, you know, maybe maybe possibly cap casualties, right? Like things like that, right? But this one, I, I have a harder time believing just a little bit because two things. One, uh, when you have him under contract for the fifth year, if you want to hold out, that's that's completely up to Brendan Ayuk. If that's what he wants to do, him and his family, whatever it is, that's fine. But you're under control for the fifth year. Um, so hmm. there's not really too much leverage here. The only leverage you would have is, you know, obviously if the 49ers believe they can get something for him. And two, so much of what Brock Purdy was able to do this season was tied to the fact that Brandon Ayuk and him have such a great rapport. And in this Super Bowl, Regardless of how many times he touched the ball, the only wide receiver that was open was Brandon Ayuk. And that's the guy who can beat man and zone. You're going to need a guy like that. And for all the people that say, well, if you get a top something pick, you can take a Brandon Ayuk. It's literally the family guy joke. You can have the boat or the mystery box. A boat's a boat, (laughs) but the box could be anything. It could even be a great receiver. You know how much we wanted one of those. Well, we'll keep the great receiver. We'll take the box. Who could resist the call of the mystery box? Picks are good, right? They're cool. That doesn't guarantee that you're going to get a guy as successful as Brendan Ayuk, especially someone that fits in as well with his blocking and the way that he's matured around this team. So I would be wary of the whole, well, let's just trade him for picks. Also, trading trading for picks for him and then taking the same position haven't we seen that before? And no disrespect to Javon Kinlaw, who actually had a very good season. That might not be the best way to go about it, because if you trade DeForest Buckner, but you don't let Tampa Bay jump you for Tristan Wirfs, doesn't that feel a little bit better than you trading one for one and getting a D tackle for a D tackle? So 
this all comes down to compensation and what you plan to do with that pick. So that's why I'm a little bit weary of this whole like, oh, trade him for the. I love how everybody's just like, I trade him for the number six pick to the Giants, and you know, send him. I'm not sending him <laughs> 31 in Ayuk. I'm not sending him 31 in Ayuk. You either take Ayuk and give us six, and we keep 31, and then we'll figure this thing out. But I'm not sending you 31 and Ayuk. I'm sorry, like that. That's if you want Ayuk, take him, but you got to give us six. I just, I just have a tough time with the whole like, oh, we want draft picks, and then when that draft pick turns out to be like somebody like AJ Jenkins or something like that in the first round, <laughs> oh, you're going to no. cry. Like you're going to cry. Not like I, do, I, I don't understand the idea of, of the maybe when you have something at home that you already know. Look, uh, first my, my favorite reference of yours, Jay, is always is that family guy reference with the, with the boat and the mystery box. <laughs> and it, it sounds familiar, right? Because I think I heard it last off season when we were talking uh-huh. about Debo Samuel, <laughs> you know, like we're doing it all over again. And it's yep. like this fan base does not understand. There's going to be a lot of panic between now the draft and then after the draft, to like training camp like when this deal (laughs) actually gets done so yeah I mean I I think that for the 49ers uh I think it's even too early for them to have made a decision on this everyone's reacting to the Dan Graziano uh you know piece that he put out and Dan is just talking about Exactly. That's exactly what I want to say. Let's make that clear that it's not about like what we believe or what we think is going to happen. Everyone has an opinion, including Dan, and he's entitled to that one. You know, maybe his opinion comes from a place of, uh, you know, knowing things, but I don't think it's too early to know things. It's February. Again, I don't think the 49ers have made a decision on anything having to do with Brandon Ayuk yet. I think they do want to keep him. But it would not surprise me at the same time if around draft time, it's it's going to heat up in the next couple months, right, that we hear this talk about Brandon Ayuk. These are the teams that are interested in Brandon Ayuk. 49ers are fielding calls. They're, they're picking up the phone. They're listening. They're going to listen, right? They're going to listen. But it's going to take a crazy deal, just like we saw last year. Remember, use, use like past, uh, you know, memories that you guys have, of what happened last year, to and apply that to what we know now, okay? It's going to be the exact same thing. All right, we're going to hear it. So I think same thing is going to happen. You know, 49ers, we're going to hear reports that they're listening to offers. They're going to be like, oh, they want a first and more. And it's going to be something ridiculous because 49ers don't actually want to get rid of Brandon Ayuk only if you they get a haul with it, right? So that's why I don't actually see it happening. Um, and, yeah, I think the 49ers could make it work. I've had uh, the 49ers cap guy, Jason, uh, on my channel, and he's mentioned, like, even last season, he was like, yeah, the 49ers can't afford to keep Debo and Ayuk. Like, they can do it. Like, the way they've structured their contracts, they can do it, and they can continue restructuring if that's what they want to do. Now, the question then becomes, okay, well, is that a good use of resources to have two really, like, highly paid wide receivers? Probably not, right? Like, there, there's going to have to be a decision made there at some point. But I think the the smart decision would be for the 49ers to keep Brandon Ayuk, figure out the rest later in terms of like Debo, because I know Debo's contract is not very trade friendly. So I don't honestly don't know what they do with that, <laughs> but they should want to keep Brandon Ayuk for the reason you mentioned. He has a lot of great chemistry with Brock Purdy. 
And I think as far as the usage, and I'm sure that's going to be part of the negotiations as well, because Brandon Ayuk wants to be not just the number one wide receiver and get paid like it. He wants to be, you know, targeted like it as well. And, and he did get a lot of targets this season, but, you know, the numbers didn't always match up in the playoffs, didn't always match up for whatever reason. So, you know, those things I'm sure are going to be part of the discussion and, you know, maybe Kyle can, can work on that, get him the ball a little more often, you know, in, in the coming years. Cause you know, that's something players want too. He wants a bag obviously, but he also, you know, wants to be the number one guy in this offense. And I think he's earned that. And I think Brock Purdy has shown that he can give him the ball. He's willing to give him the ball. They have good rapport. So uh, they can build off of that. So I think the smart thing for the 49ers to do is keep Brandon Ayuk, figure out the rest later. But definitely that's a that's a building block for your team. And that is a damn good one, right? So we've seen other teams, um, you know, trade away their top receivers, you know, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Brown. Uh, Devontae Adams. It hasn't always worked out for those other teams that, you know, traded their guys away. Um, and different situation in those teams as well. So, yeah, I think it'd be smart for the 49ers to want to keep Brandon Ayuk. But don't don't panic by all this noise. There's going to be so much panic and smoke and, and just noise around Brandon Ayuk potentially getting traded. I just don't see it happening. You know, and the other thing is, too, is I think a lot of people's arguments are, would you be paying someone this amount of money to not utilize them like a number one receiver? And 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 what I mean by that is, is Brandon Ayuk put up great numbers this year, but he put up a, a incredibly efficient year. And it wasn't because of being targeted to death, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's games when when I look up sometimes and you see, you know, Tyreek, he's got like 13, 14 targets, right? That, that wasn't really what was going on the entire season with Brandon Ayuk. So I think a lot of people's hesitance is, if we're going to allocate all this money to this guy, then he needs to be touching the ball much more, right? But then when you look around, obviously Christian McCaffrey's got to touch the ball. You still have Debo Samuel, who is somebody who can make something out of nothing. Maybe isn't the route runner that Brandon Ayuk is. But I do think that Steph is right on the nail, hits the nail on the head. It's you figure that out later. You do figure that out later. And again, you would have to be quote unquote, what's the term blown away by any sort of trade package that you, you would receive. But it does feel like two seasons ago with with Debo Samuel, in which you know the, seasons, the Jets had right. the number. Yeah, no, it's all right. It's it's the number nine pick is is on the table and everything. Yeah, well that that never really got offered, you know. So again, it's it's right now. It's still very early, February twentieth. Obviously, the combine's right around the corner, which is next week. We're gonna find out a little bit more. Then we'll be able to poke and prod and add questions, ask questions to John Lynch and and see what what's going on. We'll start to hear some things around around the combine in terms of. Who's interested? What's going on? I mean, you know, what is it? Uh, last season, you know, the whole thing came out about Trey Lance and, and Kirk Cousins and everything. And that was dead on, right? Like where the 49ers poked around on Kirk Cousins again, right? Because of Brock Purdy's timeline. But again, that's where Brock Purdy was at during that timeline. So we'll learn a lot more during the combine. That's next week. Right now, um, this is all speculation. And these are this is all people just pulling out their calculators and trying to figure out how the 49ers get under this cap number. Um, but I'm sure they'll find a way. Like, you know, they always do. And and I wouldn't be shocked that they find a way to get this Ayuk thing done and bring someone else in that that we're not thinking of or or someone else that's an impact player, possibly on the defensive side. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think it's time to transition to what actually happened on Sunday since I haven't seen you, right? Um, this offensive line needs help. Help. It just needs help. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how else to explain it. That's probably the easiest way, the simplest way. Um, the 49ers, I want to make this clear. The 49ers have, when people say they bargain, been, dove for, for players, I think what that really means is in terms of what you've gotten for what you've invested. Trent Williams is a huge investment. He deserves to be the mm-hmm. best in the world. But what you've gotten from Aaron Banks, you drafted him. You don't really have to pay him. Jake Brendel makes minimal money. And then you have the right side, Burford, Feliciano, and McKivitz. I think what bargain bargain diving is, is the what you get in terms of production and bang for your dollar. But that has only gotten you so far. Because in the biggest moments, especially against Chris Jones, in the biggest moments against the Kansas City Chiefs, the offensive line has given out. And the offensive line needs to be invested in, whether that's through the draft, which I think it has to be, right? Because, you know, great offensive linemen are not just walking around in free agency because if they, you know, again, offensive linemen are are, are commodities. So they're going to get locked up. Nobody's just going to let a good lineman walk, right? Unless he's asking for an exorbitant amount of money. But the 49ers need to improve this offensive line. Um. If you if you want to point to communication errors on third and four, whatever, fine. That's still all a product of you having to improve guys who either have it up here or are more talented. Um, I think they tried it. You know, the Burford thing, uh, you know, Banks, Banks is fine. I think Banks is gonna be here um moving forward. But that they really have to invest in this offensive line because the only way that this team can finally push over the hump, I mean, there's a few ways, and we could talk about the entire game and everything as well, too. The only way that they really do this from a personnel standpoint is that they get that offensive line to block better for Brock Purdy because there were so many and and watching the watching the tape two and three times, so many guys wide open, but he has to get rid of the ball and he can't get it off on time. And he just needs half a second more. It's something that the 49ers have kind of gotten by with, but you can't get the job done without more. And I think uh part of the reason that like we didn't see Brandon Ayuk get as many balls his way in the Super Bowl and and maybe throughout the playoffs was because he's mentioned before he's like usually the third uh in the progression and I mean Brock Purdy needs time to get it to his third progression right and so when you're playing better defensive lines and typically that's going to be in the playoffs which like if your hope is to be in the playoffs and make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl you're going to have to dominate in the trenches or you're going to get dominated in the trenches like we saw 
Um, and we were on our way to seeing that, you know, last season in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles as well. So it is an issue. It's been an issue uh, to this point. We haven't really seen, I guess, like it, it doesn't seem like Kyle Shanahan feels like it's as big an issue as we the fans think it is. Uh, but this was the first season where I didn't actually see the offensive line really improve as the season progressed because usually, you know, they start the season off kind of like, uh, like still figuring some things out, still kind of gelling. There's a lot of new guys. Um, and you kind of hope they'll, they'll figure it out along the way. This was the first season we didn't really see that. So that tells you right there that, you know, the guys you brought in probably weren't, you know, the best options out there. And if they were the best options out there, hmm, like maybe you should have, you know, looked to draft someone, right? So my worry is, yes, this is a really deep offensive line draft. It's loaded with, you know, good tackles. And the 49ers have a first round pick again. My worry is that even still, like, I don't know if Kyle Shanahan feels that the offensive line is as big a need as us, the fans think it is. And I can see the 49ers double dipping on offensive line. They have done it before, uh, but they also like to develop their offensive linemen Two, you know, sometimes three years for like some guys they draft in the back end of the draft. Breaking uh, news, Colton McKibbitz is back. It's per Steph Sanchez. Colton McKibbitz is back. <laughs> that, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I haven't heard Kyle Shanahan say anything like, give any constructive criticism on, on Colton McKivitz in pressers when given the opportunity. Um, maybe that's happening behind closed doors. I don't know, but you hear him talk about Colton McKivitz. It doesn't sound like he feels Colton McKivitz is an issue for them. Mm-hmm. And that's an issue for me because like that, that makes me worry. You know, it, first Kyle Shanahan has to feel like there's an issue and there's a need there. And I hope that the Super Bowl, if anything, opened his eyes about that, right? And, yeah, this is going to be the draft to do it. And I hope they actually give those guys a chance to compete, whoever they draft this year, compete with who they already have on the roster uh, for the starting spots instead of saying, no, he's a rookie, he's going to get developed, we're not even thinking about starting him kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, we'll we'll see, but I'm I guess I'm like cautiously optimistic. Steph, let me ask you: Do you feel that Kyle Shanahan might be a tough love in public, but af- uh, like a very like soft affirmations guy behind closed doors? No, <laughs> no, I, <don't... laughs> I love the no. I don't I don't get that sense uh, at all. I mean, this is the same dude with an invisible like doghouse that you know rookies go into and are never seen again for the rest of the season (laughs) ronnie bell um you know so yeah no definitely behind closed doors it might even be worse uh so i don't know but like i said it just i don't get the sense that colton mckivitz has been in kyle shanahan's doghouse at all spencer burford you know yeah, for sure. But, you know, Colin McKivitt seems to still be in Kyle's good graces for whatever reason. All right, Steph, let's do this. So um, let me regale you of the tale of Sunday's game, right? So shout out to Bleacher Report. They had me out there um, hosting um, this watch party. I was I was on the app for three hours, and then I had to do a post game right after, right? And even 
you know, it was a big production. Looked like looked like TV, right? Like where we're holding mics. Yep. They they've got like monitors. They they've got put us here pieces. They had like yeah, no, it was honestly the coolest thing, right? So, but we have to react to everything. So I think that was part of the reason that things weren't flying like from Twitter or anything like that is because I had to be like locked in on that, right? And then you're looking over at the Kansas City watch party, and there's twenty five thousand people at that watch party. It was insane. Like these people really go hard for the Chiefs, right? So as the game is going, right, I'm literally watching a Super Bowl that is a hodgepodge of uh, past failures. Let me explain. It had everything. It had everything. It had offensive line play that was allowing the quarterback to, to get hit. Damn, that reminds me of the 2019 Chiefs uh, Super Bowl. Had a had a, a punt that bounced off of unlucky off of a leg. Oh damn, is that Kyle Williams? All right, man, this one's coming. I was like, I was like, I'm starting to get this one. Hey, did the 49ers abandon a run? Oh wait, that is kind of like the 2019 Super Bowl. It had almost everything, almost everything. Time management issues and questionable calls on third and fourth down. Wait, I've seen this movie before. It all starts to play out little by little, where you're just like, wait a minute, that's this one. It's that's this one. That's this one. That's this one. And then you end up with the entire loss so the game ends obviously and i thought honestly and oh wait wait here we go jair brown intercepts um patrick mahomes on their side of the field and he gets zero points even though you're in field goal range like you're in field goal range when jair brown makes the has the interception you just need a few more yards to just get a little bit closer by the way shout out jake moody for making all your kicks man way to go buddy that you know you had your record for a few seconds and then it got broken um this just felt like like watching your own birth like literally, like you're just watching a car crash and you're watching it in slow motion happen. And it had a little bit of everything. I guess I'm saying all that to say this one's on everyone. Oh, is this one on everyone? This one's on Christian McCaffrey for fumbling. This one's on the offensive line for letting Chris Jones go through. This one is on Kyle Shanahan for the way that he managed this game. This one's on the special teams unit. This one is on this entire football team. It took an entire football team to lose this one. And I'll be honest. This one stings the most out of out of all of them. I mean, any of them, anything. Not 2012 against the Ravens, not the Williams game, not Seattle, not, not the Super Bowl, not, not the Rams game. This one is going to stick with me for a long, long time. And I'm cool now Tuesday, February 20th, because what can you do is done. But mm-hmm. that one stings a lot, man. And then it's just the Bleacher Report people were so nice. Like, the game was over, and then they, and we're congratulating the KC people, and they're like, hey, uh, you know, we got to do the post game, uh, live. And they're like, you know, just do 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> they were, and then when it was over, they were like, oh, my God, thank you guys so much. So, like, I had to react right there on the spot to it. And I've never seen a more somber place um, in, um, in San Francisco at Underdog's Cantina. Like, as fast as it filled up is as fast as it just cleared out. And people were hugging. People were crying. This one was tough, man. This one was really tough stuff. Yeah, man. Um, I hate that you're making me relive it right now. Cause hey, I haven't was... been here, so we got to talk about it, right? Because I'm ducking the smoke. No, this one, uh, this one's definitely worse. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why, though. Like, why did this one feel worse? I, I think because we felt that this time it was going to be different. And and because yeah. this time, like they had the roster to do it, they had the roster. Like far and away on paper, the better roster going into that, you know, Super Bowl. And it felt so close. It felt so close. Several points in the game. The fourth quarter, it was very emotional because 
I I was feeling both like the possibility of both things, like them winning and them losing. And like all of that mixed together, I was just like a wreck watching the fourth quarter. Um, especially when it got down to like the two minutes and the 49ers, like they have a chance to put it away right there. And that didn't happen. So I think that's why it hurts. Like for some reason, I felt that they can do it. I think in 2019 with like Jimmy, like you hoped he can do it, you know, and you, you know, you want to be optimistic, but like you, I don't know, there's just something there. Maybe time has made me feel like that 2019 game, like we had it coming, right? Like, yeah, we weren't going to win that one. Come on. Uh, But this time it, it felt like it should have been different. It wasn't. And I agree. It was a, it was a team loss in some ways that made it a little bit easier as the days have gone on to kind of accept it because, and I know everyone's against the inside the NFL mic'd up clips that have like littered our timeline. I know, I know. That made it 10 times worse. You know what? You know what? For me, it actually made made it better because I, because I watch it and I, I see the reactions of certain things and I'm like, Oh no, like you, you guys didn't, you guys didn't deserve uh, to, to win this. To win. Like I, I thought they did. So it's, it's hard to watch, you know? Um, but at the same time, I'm like, man, you guys are so like naive to think like it's almost like they thought they can just like go in there and just win it just because they had like the better roster. It doesn't always come right. down to that. It comes down to execution day of 60 minutes um, and decision making as well. And, you know, we saw how that turned out in the end. So. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, and, you know, like, my biggest fears were, like, coming to fruition during the game. You knew Steve Spagnuolo, regardless of what the numbers were with the run defense, wasn't just going to allow you to run the football. And he's going to show you looks that are going to force you to check out and and make throws. And, you know, credit to him, man. It it scared me to death, that chess match, always, because I knew that Spagnuolo was going to say, well, we're going to load up this box. Do like try to run through it. Go ahead. You know, like we're we're still not just going to let you get seven, eight because we can't stop the run. And we want to see you make throws. Debo Samuel had a tough time getting open. And that's, you know, that was the chess match right there. It was the Spagnola thing. And he, again, he delivered. And then the biggest fear is always this. Leave that door open, cracked a little bit for Patrick Mahomes, and he's going to kick right through it. You know, I think the hardest part was watching the uh, the mic'd up during the overtime in which it's fourth and one. And I think this is what sealed uh, Steve Wilkes' fate, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. It's fourth and one. And Trent Williams yells, alert the quarterback, keep. He's a lineman. He doesn't play defense. He's yelling. Quarterback, keep. And then the defense, it's like you have that picture of Nick Bosa just like he's shrugging. He's got his arms out, but it's not because of a sack. He's just wondering where everyone is. And that's, I think, the part that, like, you look at Steve Wilkes and then you hear Nick Bosa after the game say, we were not prepared to stop the zone read. F***ing what? Like, uh, I'll never understand sometimes when I hear this team talk. Just, what? You weren't prepared? Like, what what did you guys practice? All of it. What were you guys doing? What were you guys doing? It just, it it reeked of being unprepared. And then, obviously, we have to talk about the decision in overtime, right? Um, Look, that decision can go either way, right? If you score a touchdown there... You're fine. You're in that same situation. You still have to get a stop, right? And they, you know, I think the Chiefs were completely 
they the, they were completely going for two regardless because they trusted. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to put the ball in 15's hands from the two, and I feel good about that 10 out of 10 times. And why shouldn't you? But you know what gets me? Hearing Kyle Juszczyk after the game say, well, we thought the overtime rules were the same. And then in the and then when you hear the inside the NFL stuff, he says, oh, well, if we just score, we win, right? Like, And then you hear the Chiefs players say, we practiced the overtime rules and we knew it every single week. Mm-hmm. One team, championship tested, super prepared. The other, not prepared. That's frustrating. That's frustrating. Regardless of the result, them understanding that hey they wanted the ball good you know like we're we're good with that that was their plan that's what they, if the if the chiefs would have won the toss they would have deferred they would have deferred yeah. mm-hmm. and i think that is what is troubling a little bit and this is what Kyle Shanahan's got to deal with for the entire offseason another offseason of these these questions about time management and the way you manage games all of those things and i think rightfully so i mean until you prove otherwise why shouldn't people ask these questions why shouldn't people have these reservations about that? You have almost everything else down, but this part you seem to be lacking. Now, does this mean that he needs someone else to help him? Does he need uh, someone who just does time management that does game management? I don't know, but you can't get upset at people talking about this part of your coaching ability because it's a pattern, right? I don't give mm-hmm. him the loss against Atlanta in the Super Bowl because he wasn't the head coach. And for everything that they say about his play calling in that game, Dan Quinn's a defensive head coach. Why are you not killing him for getting one stop? The only person that the only person that gets more heat for a Super Bowl as a coordinator, it's it's just Kyle Shanahan. He's the only one. He's the only one. But 2019, this one, you definitely have to sit there and take your heat at this point. And I don't blame people for for being a little bit worried about how games get managed. I don't blame people for saying he can't win the biggest game because he just hasn't. Do I think he can? For sure. But he has to prove it. And the one phrase that I despise, Steph Sanchez, I despise. I hate it. I don't want to hear anybody saying it. We'll be back. Don't worry. We'll be back. Will we? Will we? I think a lot of people forget injuries, luck. A lot of things have to break in your favor for you to make a Super Bowl. Not everybody's the Kansas City Chiefs. You notice it's a rotation. It's a rotation of who makes it and faces the Chiefs. If it was that easy, everybody would just walk to the same. The the best roster would always walk. The best team would always walk. They don't. I despise we'll be back. I hate that saying. I I, only saying I hate more than that is quest for six. I think that's that's where I'm at right now. Quest for six and we'll be back are completely banned from this show. 100 percent. I, I'm I'm good with that. I'm I'm definitely good with those two being retired. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll people saying we'll be back again is just like a way of coping and and feeling Cope. better about like the situation and feeling like yeah, we'll we'll be back here again and it will be different. Uh, you know, with that a time. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I I don't want to see that clip ever again. Uh, first of all. But yeah, That's I mean, fine. I'm not talking about that one. I'm gonna let people have whatever they feel about that clip. That's fine. <laughs> but the um, yeah, I mean, the decision making, the the game management, the details. I I think like the Chiefs have the details down to exhaustion. It's obvious. They talk about it. You see it on the field when it's crunch time and it's time to execute. 
they it's a shared goal and it's shared execution as well. It's it's perfected. It's an art, you know, like they have it down. The 49ers do not. And I don't know if it's the experience thing. Like, obviously, Andy Reid has been around the league for a very long time. Uh, part of it, you know, obviously he has Patrick Mahomes. There's there is a, uh, you know, margin uh, of error that's quite large when you have Patrick Mahomes. So that is true as well. Um, but the details matter, man, and execution matters. And those are the things that the 49ers, when it came down to it, lacked in this game. And and it really hurt them in the end. And again, like it wasn't just any one player. It was it was a lot of different, you know, special teams, offensive line, you know, uh, even Debo not being able to wrangle in some of those balls that came his way. Uh, you know, it's just a, a number of things that didn't go well. Um, as far as the overtime thing, I'm cool with like the analytics part of it but if you know Kyle said he also you know brings his own opinion into it when making the decision your which opinion like should which is cool yeah but your opinion should account for who you're playing against who are you yeah. playing against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes you're gonna give them four downs Right. And and the ball like you you don't you don't think in your mind that they're they're going to not only score but go for two. Like that doesn't cross your mind. Um and so again, I'm cool with the analytics part, but there has to be a little more thought into all of those other factors as well, uh, that go into your decision. Um and I know a lot of people have said it. I haven't said it before, but like I yeah, after this loss is like, yeah, like Kyle coaches not to lose like very often and in this game that was that was the case as well and what what does steve young say leading up to the super bowl you got to take super bowls are taken you got to take it yep 49ers at no point took or made an attempt to take this super bowl you know um and so the chiefs took it it's as simple as that uh brother really kyle uh says uh thank you for the donation kyle levy uh, Marv Levy is the coach of the Buffalo Bills that went to four straight Super Bowls and lost. Is stubborn. He will double down on dumb. Yeah, and I wanted to point out just another thing is after a game as gut-wrenching as that in the last game, right, people have different ways of processing what's happened, right? People want to look to blame one thing. People want to look to blame something to make themselves absorb the loss better. And I'm not telling anybody how to fan. Everybody goes through things differently. We all have different opinions. You know, you might feel that one thing is much more critical than I thought um, and and vice versa. But I wanted to point out that 49er fans, you got to batten down the hatches because the the loud noises from other fan bases and it's happening like it's 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 on social media. Right. Like it's the loud voices from philadelphia and dallas and seattle and all their fans and pretty much everybody in the nfl who have kind of just labeled the 49ers you know the the dallas cowboys who make it to the super bowl pretty much at this point which i mean are you going to argue differently at this point when it comes to the results um just because their teams didn't make it doesn't mean that they can't say anything about it so you just kind of got it's it's like if we would have won you know what we'd be doing right now you know these these podcasts would be gloating They'd be filled with talk, everything. You got to stand and take it on the chin. You just got to. And it's just part of the game. Chalk it up to the game, unfortunately. We we have put ourselves in a position where, you know, those people that, that are going to be the loudest from other fan bases, 
they were never around all season, right? When the 49ers are whipping everybody and they're on their way, they were just waiting. They were sitting in the, they were like Mr. Smithers in the, in the darkness. Like they were waiting. They were just sitting there waiting for this moment. And then they get their moment and now they're, they're seizing it. So look, if, if you want to say, Hey, you know, you can't argue from outside of the club, you can't even get in. Okay. But we made fun of Philly last year when they lost in the Super Bowl. Made fun of Seattle when Russell Wilson threw an interception against New England. Make fun of Dallas every time they get bounced in the wild card round. We got to kind of sit here and just take it. There's nothing that we can really do at this point. And you had to expect that coming um, after a loss like this. But I wanted to point out one more thing. Patrick Mahomes has come down, come back from 10 plus points down, like in almost every single playoff game. It's insane. Isn't that crazy? It's really insane. It's insane. It's not a 49er problem per se. Uh, I mean, there were things that they could have done to finish it, but literally everybody gets a chance at 10 plus points. And Mahomes is like, ah, sorry, we got this, man. Like Andy Reid's like, ah, we got this. No, no, nobody's really too worried about it. And it's just crazy to see a quarterback and have that sort of advantage where it's 10 plus points, but you never feel like it's done because you still have 15. So look, again, I'll say it. Leave that door open. Leave it open in the jar, and he's going to kick it down. So, that's you saying. know, that's that's what yeah. that's what Patrick Mahomes is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what I'm saying, right? That's that's why you got to take into account your your opponent when it comes to these games. If you're coaching against a coach that is as conservative as you are, okay, fine, be conservative to the death, you know. But like, if you're playing against a team like the Chiefs, that in these moments they've been known to come back and and win these games you got to coach like it too. Like you got to, you got to coach different to kind of match their energy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that that's what we didn't see in this game. And I guess like what I worry about is will we see any changes from Kyle or does Kyle feel like still like he did everything right to, to the media's faces? Cause like, you know, frankly, he doesn't care what media and, and fans and all this perception, uh, you know, thinks of him. But, like, does he actually reevaluate and, and think to himself, like, oh, man, I could have done that differently. Like, yeah. he didn't say it, so I don't know. I don't know. But, like, if you're looking at 2019 and you're looking at a lot of, you know, crunch time losses, you know, in between that and, and this Super Bowl, I, I haven't seen too many changes, you know? Uh, Corey Soto says, people complaining about the ish talk from the outside, get over it. It's the nature of fandom. Let's not act like we don't do the same. Exactly what I was saying, Corey. That's it. Like, it's just it chalk it up to the game. It's just how it goes. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have your classier fans that'll be like, hey, man, good game, good try, you know, but you'll have the other ones that want to dance on your grave, and we just we got to kind of eat that. You know, that's it. Uh, but uh, pull up, pull that one up uh, again, Rob, so I can read that one up. Um, okay. Uh, Steph, Baby Bosa, <laughs> Kyle Levy doesn't learn or change. Uh, baby Bosa. Hey, you know what? That That's a great that's a great way to transition from the pain of this this game uh, on the Super Bowl. Steph, regardless, this is a year that we're never going to forget. Regardless. Like, no yeah, questions asked. I know. Right? For many reasons, though. Great year. We, we had a lot of fun this year. We really did. And I know that this is going to come off like, you know, coping, whatever, fine. No, I'm, I'm really just – we're in a reflective mode right now because the offseason starts next week in the Combine, and then we get to, you know, just completely turn the page, start looking at dry prospects – start asking questions to the coaches and things like that and trying to like do our detective work while we're there at the combine. But this season was filled with ups, right? And the down only came towards the end, really. Um, this team was a lot of fun. They had a lot of great games. They had a lot of great moments. I mean, 
you know, hell, that playoff run, the divisional and the, and the championship game, those are games I'll never forget. Obviously, we'll never forget this Super Bowl for a different reason. But, man, you know, the to John Lynch shouting you out, to Nick Bosa acknowledging you, you know, to Jake Moody taking a doo-doo on me. Like, this is an entirely, like, fun year. Like, this was a really fun year, honestly, to cover this team. It's just unfortunate it didn't break the way that we wanted to. Um, I, I thought that, you know, again, we've, we've been doing this as our second year now. Um, I thought that this was a super fun year and we had a lot of great moments and stuff. Uh, I just want to say to you, and again, we're not quitting Rob. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to give people their flowers while they can smell it. Steph, as great as you are as a friend, you're, you're, I mean, as great as you are as an analyst and, and, and ah, I'm blowing this and then that analyst, uh, you're a better friend. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, same to you. And yeah, I mean, this, this, I had a blast this year, really. Like, and, and to me, that that's what makes it worse. Like, it, it makes me even more sad because I was like, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It would have been awesome if the season ended the way we'd, we would have liked. Um, but regardless, not going to forget this season, not going to forget like the last three weeks, you know, of my life. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, man, it, I don't know if I'm going to the combine, but I'd I'd really like to run it back at the combine together because we're we're goofing out there. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh man, I mean, you should just go so we could just go to the steakhouse more than anything because that's where the <laughs> info's at. I mean, regardless, like if if we uh, just if we groovy. somehow yeah, no, I mean not that. It's just we're just gonna ask questions, right? Like we're gonna walk around, and ask questions, right? Like get shot down by Kevin O'Connell, go meet Mike McDaniel, like like that type of stuff, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I did want to say this at least. At least there's no song that we can never uh, and BNA. Thank you. Uh, the ring is the journey and the friends that we made. Maybe the real championship ring was the friends we made along the way. Um, I think that's I really that. what it is. At least there's at least there's no song that we can't ever listen to ruined. again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like like I sometimes I go out right like and I'm at a bar and the box comes on and I literally just like start sweating and I start looking around and like I see the helicopters going across my eyes and I'm just like. <laughs> This song is so good, but I can never listen to this War song again. Flashbacks. At least this, right? At least, at least this season, we didn't have to like cancel out a song or or lose a song or anything like that because they kept changing them up. So yeah, I, that's that's a good thing. Uh, Justin E, good to see Jason and Steph live. Hope you guys are doing good. Jason, you know my comp for Jacob Cowing. Thoughts on Bleacher Report calling his natural fit the Kansas City Chiefs? I want to puke, Justin. That's what scares me the most about the Kansas City Chiefs is that they have a chance to do something horrible, like maybe draft Cowing. Maybe sign Mike Evans. Maybe, oh, God. uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, oh, God, don't. <laughs> you had to, you had to stop. You had to stop them right there. You had to stop them right there. Like they, all they can do is get better now somehow. I just, I don't want to talk about it, Justin. But yeah, your comp for him is <laughs> your cut. Your comp for him is Tyreek Hill, and that scares the hell out of me. Um, uh, whoa, screw Jake can't make an extra point, Moody. Hey man, he made he made all the kicks in the Super Bowl. So I mean, I can't really hate on him. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's it. That's what my phone was blowing up about. They were like, yeah, get worked. I'm like, I, I want him to make the kicks. We need to win this game. Like, I don't get it. Like, do you really think that my personal agenda, it gets in the way of, of me wanting this team to win? Like, what do you mean? I need him to make all those kicks. So, huh. all right, we're back. Off season officially starts. Smoke season officially is in full effect. Um, and I want to say that this off season will be filled with nothing but yelling about accountability, hypotheticals that'll never happen, and misevaluating draft prospects. What a time to be alive. I'm so happy that we're back uh, for the offseason stuff. But uh, any last words? Oh, we'll, 
we're, we're all the way back, you know, like generational <laughs> prospects. Get ready to hear that over and over. Um, accountability. Put the word, put the word out there. We back up. Put the word. I want you to put the word back out there. Kyle, we're holding you accountable from, from our couches, right? <laughs> from our couches. I don't understand that oh, part. Man. Hold them accountable. How? What are we going to do? Storm the Capitol? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, what are we supposed to do? Uh, <laughs> all right. Perfect place to end this. Um, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Gold Standard Podcast Network, wherever you get your audio podcasts. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Oh my God, the Gold Standard Podcast YouTube Network. My God, I'm blowing this. Make sure you follow Steph on Twitter at Steph49K. Follow me on Twitter at JasonAponte2103. Um, subscribe to both of our YouTube channels. Uh, Steph, what a season. But, you know, again, can't wait to do off season with you again. So for Steph, for Jay, we're out of here. Peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.